0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, only about 13 or so minutes, but each day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's word. And that's important for our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So our being in God's word on a daily basis helps us to stay strong in our faith. And we can share that faith with others around us by encouraging them to get in God's word, by sharing with them these short studies every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. So make that commitment and start sharing today with everybody you can in your life. We're gonna get back into our new line of thought and study. And this is entitled, and it's an intriguing title, The Day the Atheist Sat Next to the Preacher. It's a story written by a preacher who sat next to an atheist on an airline flight from London to Tanzania, Africa, by way of Nairobi. Now, my understanding from people who have made such flights is you're talking about a long time sitting in the seat of an airplane. Well, they had time to meet. They had time to have a conversation, and they did. So, It begins on a British Airways flight from London to Tanzania, Africa, by way of Nairobi, chance or providence, had it that I sat next to a professor from the University of Kentucky. We soon struck up a friendly conversation over our airline peanuts and soft drinks. It turned out that he taught anthropology, the study of man. He indicated they often made trips to Kenya and other parts of Africa, where his purposes included looking for evidence of early man. He asked where I was and why, and learned about the mission effort that we were making to take the gospel to the lost of Tanzania. So here is an atheist professor who visits Africa to search for evidence of early man, and here is a preacher sitting next to him who is on his way to Africa to teach the gospel to the lost souls of the people there. Our conversation soon dwindled as we became absorbed in other matters, but my thoughts lingered on the differences in our worldviews. His tone had suggested that he thought that evangelizing among the Africans was a waste of time. Well, naturally, if he doesn't believe in God, why teach God's gospel message to them? Perhaps mine had indicated what my thoughts were about looking for missing links. Well, because we believe God created mankind, and the evidence demonstrates that forcefully, In the years since that encounter, my thoughts have often gone back to the contrast between those two passengers on a plane, the atheist and the preacher. Well, we looked at the first thought that he had. He said he thought, that is, the atheist professor thought the world began with a big bang. I was confident that it would end with a big bang. And he quoted from From uh, Second Peter chapter three and verse ten, where it it portrays looks forward to the final day of judgment, when our Lord will come back to call all mankind to sit before Him or stand before Him, and give account for the way we have lived our lives on this earth. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein will be burned up, and then verse eleven. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Now notice verse ten again. The Lord will come together to get, uh, to come on that final day of judgment, and the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. There'll be a big bang, but it'll be in the final day of judgment in the future, not the big supposed big bang from the past when people who don't believe in the creation account in Genesis chapter one believe that somehow this small lump of very dense matter exploded and the result was everything we see in the universe around us, including the earth. Well, no big bang in the past but there will be a big bang in the future. We began to look at the second of his thoughts. He said he was interested that is, the atheist was interested in the ages of rocks. I was interested in the rock of ages. And so those who believe in a uniformitarian kind of, of uh, existence and progression of nature believe that nature progresses on a uniform basis all the time. So levels of strata in the Earth's crust, they are layered there at a, exactly the same amount of time or by the same kind of sequence of events, and it takes place over eons of time on a regular, uniform basis consistently throughout time. But if something happens to change that process, it has an effect upon changing the dating of that process. Now, we can look at the flood in Noah's day, and you're talking about cataclysmic events that naturally changed the natural dating of the earth's crust, rocks, basically everything we see around us on this earth. So focusing on the rock of ages will cause a man to lift his head and see God's glory. If all you're interested in is the ages of rocks, you're not even looking up toward God. You're trying to explain existence in an un, really literally in an unscientific way discounting the obvious proofs that god a power created everything that we see around us and god is that power genesis chapter 1 portrays that regularly psalm 19 verses 1 through 3 the heavens declare the glory of god the firmament shows his handiwork. day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Psalm 19:1 through3. to see the intricate nature of how the inner workings of the universe continue to work together demonstrates beyond any scientific question, in fact, the science points to it, that a power set it all into motion. It did not, it could not have just happened by chance on its own. The universe points to God, its very existence, not to some kind of chance happening that set it into motion and brought it into being. On a really dark night with a clear sky, we can see more than 2,000 stars. But that is only a fraction of the total. In fact, that is a very tiny fraction of the total stars in the universe around us. There are more than 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone, the Milky Way galaxy. Just in our galaxy, more than 100 billion stars and there are uncounted galaxies beyond it because we simply don't have any telescope powerful enough to see all the way to the edge of the universe. We don't really know how many galaxies there are, but just in ours alone, over over, uh, 100 billion stars. Now, look at Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. And here's the psalmist writing, long before we ever got to the point of being able to estimate how many stars are in the universe or how many galaxies there are in the universe, God's word reveals this. When I consider thy heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the Son of Man that you visit him. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. God is so far beyond us in comprehension, in knowledge, in power, and yet he loves us because he created us in his image. God is mindful of us, even to the point of giving his son to die for us. Romans chapter five eight verses five. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. With a purpose, on purpose. And knowing the number of hairs on our head, as Jesus pointed out in Luke chapter 12 and verse 7, God knows every one of those hairs. He knows when a bird falls to the ground. Now think about how many birds there are in the world right now. If you doubt that God can keep up with all of that, consider these simple facts from Isaiah chapter 40. The oceans of the world contain more than 340 quintillion gallons of water, yet God holds them in the hollow of his hand. Isaiah 40 and verse 12. The earth weighs six sextillion metric tons, yet God says it is at but dust of the balance. Isaiah 40 and verse 15. The known universe stretches more than 30 billion light years, 200 sextillion miles, but God measures it by the width of his hand. Isaiah 40 and verse 12. Scientists claim that there are at least 100 billion galaxies, although we cannot count them all. And each galaxy is made up of almost 100 billion stars, they say. In spite of such mind boggling math, Isaiah reminds us that God calls each star, each star, by name. Isaiah 40 and verse 23. In other words, God knows every single star. A young boy from New Haven, Connecticut, who was struggling to memorize the Lord's Prayer, said, our Father who art in heaven, I'm sorry, our Father who art in new heaven, <laughs> I said it wrong again, our Father who art in new Haven. how do you know my name? <laughs> The minister who overheard this recital chuckled at the twisted phrases and complimented the boy on his work. Turning to the distraught mother, the preacher commended her son for his brilliant insight. He said, Your son has embraced two important truths. God is near and he knows our names. It is no small wonder that Isaiah ended such a chapter with these familiar words, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. We'll look at the next observation of the preacher who sat at the sat next to the atheist next time. Let's pray. Father, praise be to you. Praise be to your name. All glory, honor, praise and thanks be to you. You are the Creator, and you have created us in your image with a soul, and we are truly wondrously made. Help us, help us to help others see these truths in our lives, and give you the glory. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father, in Jesus' name, amen.